It's butt whipping time. It's time for the Morning Blitz with Ross Volkmer. That broadcast school has really paid off. Talking everything sports from the preps. It's not one, but it's two back to back state titles for the Goodland Cowgirls. To the pros. Kick on the way. It is up. And good. It's good. The Wildcats are champions of the Big 12. The Blitz is presented by the insurance agency, Equity Bank of Hoxie, Quinter, and Grinnell, the Cowboy Corner Express, and the Farmer State Bank in Oakley. Stop what you're doing and listen. Sent to center. Friedel going back. Way back. Leaps at the wall. Justin gets back in that box. Castro ready. Glance at second at Rogers. Delivers a pitch. It's hit deep to right field. Carroll's going back. It's gone into the Rockies bullpen. Oh, belted into the corner. And it's a one-run game. The Royals get brash again. Good Thursday morning, everybody. We're back on the Morning Blitz on 1025 Rock, AM 730 Fox Sports Tri-State. Also, of course, online, nwksradio.net, the Rocking M app. So glad you're with us here on this Thursday, August the 17th. Good news this morning, folks. Cooler temperatures expected, expected to... Uh, uh, let people know that we're going to have cooler temperatures today. That's that's the good news. 88 degrees after a couple of days in the mid-90s, a cooler day today. So if you're like me, you're looking at that thing, and okay, i got to get outside today and get some yard work done so I don't have to be out there in the sweltering heat this weekend. So look forward to that uh, today. But so glad you're with us on the Morning Blitz here on this Thursday. Uh, we got a full show ahead today. Friend of the program, Jeff Hennick, head coach of Oakley High School football will be joining us today on the show. We'll be talking to him about Plainsman football going into the 23 season. We'll take a look back at the 22 season as Coach Hennick, one of the better coaches in our area, has done a great job uh, with two programs in our listening region, Wallace County and then Oakley, uh, both getting them into state championship games and, and having fantastic success as a head coach. He'll join us today as we continue our area high school football previews uh, that we've been doing starting since Monday. We've talked to St. Francis head coach Grant Wiggers. We've talked to Wallace County head coach Kyle Gefeller, and we'll be visiting with uh, once again, Jeff Hennick today at the bottom of the hour. We'll get to the Rockies and the Royals, who both lost again last night. A crazy game. Another a Coors Field special. I can't say we've seen a ton of those this year. They just don't hang in my mind. But And I think it's mostly because the Rockies' offense hasn't been up to the par. But yesterday, a Coors Field special between the Diamondbacks and the Rockies and the Royals. A late comeback comes up a little bit short. More on that coming up in the back half of the show. Also, K-State basketball playing right now. If you want to watch that, kstateathletics.com is the place to go. You can watch the live stream. I think they're taking on Mexico over in Israel. or, or Sorry, it's in Abu Dhabi. 
Abu Dhabi today. So that's going on right now at this point in time. But I want to start the show off today talking about, once again, college football. ESPN put out an article yesterday, and the article was titled um, College Football Preseason Power Rankings and Realistic Best Case and Worst Case for Each Top 25 Team. So ESPN released their power rankings. So last week, like probably I think Wednesday or Thursday, the coaches poll came out. Then, of course, this Monday, the AP poll came out where we saw Kansas State sit there at 16th. Now the power poll from ESPN, and and the Athletic did one as well, which, by the way, the Athletic not as high on Kansas State this year. Um, They had them actually 23rd uh, in their power poll. But ESPN liking uh, Kansas State a little bit more uh, because they have them currently sitting at 17th, so one spot below the AP poll. And... I, I just want to read this. So they they talked about best case and worst case if for each and every team in the top in the top twenty five. And this is what they had to say on Kansas State. They said best case, a Big Twelve title repeat, which I would agree. I think that probably is best case. Uh, this is what they went on to say: the Wildcats face plenty of potential toss up games, home games against TCU and potentially resurgent Baylor, road trips to Missouri. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Texas, and rival Kansas. But they might only be a true underdog once, and that's at Texas. If their remodeled receiving core and secondary hold up and they find some of the same late-game magic that drove them to win three of four one-score finishes last year, they have a clear path to another Big 12 championship appearance. And if you make it to the big game, you can win it. They probably have too many They probably have too many toss-ups to win them all and reach the college football playoff. But an 11-2 and title repeat are on the table. That is what ESPN said. Best case scenario. So best case, they think they can win 11 games and repeat as Big 12 champs. I would say I would agree they have just as good a chance as anybody else in the Big 12, including Texas, to repeat as champs. And here's the thing. It, It doesn't always take... You know, a great record to get there. Sometimes you just need a little bit of help. When a team loses at the wrong time of the year, Texas did it last year, that opens the door for other teams like Kansas State, who might have lost to Texas early in the year, to get into the title game. So that's something to watch throughout the season. When certain teams falter, certain teams have success, that leads to things switching up. And that could go against Kansas State this year. It could. More on that in just a second. Worst case scenario for Kansas State. Once again, according to ESPN.com's article, it's really hard to win most or all of your close games for two straight years. Trust me, as a Nebraska fan, you can lose them all for three straight years if you want to. If said, receiver and secondary turnover flips the big play battle in the favor of KSU opponents. So if the wide receivers and the secondary isn't top-notch, that could put put the big play battle in favor of opponents. It could also flip quite a few games. In the Big 12, you're constantly playing in tight contests, and if most or all of them go against the Wildcats, a floor of 6-6 or so, the same regular season record that last year's defending Big 12 champion Baylor suffered is a possibility. So two years ago, Baylor won the Big 12 title. This last year, they were 6-6. Now you've got Kansas State, who's the Big 12 champ. Could they be 6-6? First and foremost, I think that floor is really low. I, there's the thing about Baylor. Baylor, I don't know if they have a quarterback. Will Howard has proven to be an effective quarterback. He really has. 
But, once again, Will Howard leaned on an All-American player in Deuce Vaughn. Now, I'm not saying that DJ Giddens can't get it done. I'm not saying that Trishon Ward can't get it done, the wide receiving core. But when you have when you have All-American type players, things change for your team. But the thing is, though, once again, we talk about it, they may have lack or question marks in the backfield and on the perimeter, but they do not have question marks where it matters most in the trenches. The best offensive line in the Big 12, more than likely. And you can do a lot with that. You can make you can make average players look really good with a with a top notch offensive line, and that's what Kansas State has. So, worst case scenario, here's my thoughts on it. Worst case scenario, six and six. That there would have to be a lot of things go bad. Cooper BB and another and I know there's already got one offensive lineman that's got some injuries. Cooper BB and maybe another one have to go down. So they're playing. You know, three out of the five are are new guys that haven't started a lot. That would be bad. Will Howard goes, r- 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 you know, drops back to what he was, you know, a couple years ago. Turnover prone, really struggled, which forced them to go out and find Adrian Martinez and bring him in for a year because they didn't think Will Howard was ready at the time. He proved that he was ready by the end of the season, which was huge. So all that stuff there, I think is going to be big. I, so I, I think the floor of 6-6 six and six is probably a little bit... I think that's too low in my personal opinion. Looking at the schedule, you know, looking at the schedule, I could see, you know, out of the first four or five games, I could see them going 4-1 and one and 3-2. and two. I could see that. I could probably also see 5-0. and oh, But at worst case scenario, probably 3-2. and two. They've got Southeast Missouri State, Troy, which is not easy, easy, but I think a winnable game. Missouri on the road, UCF at home, which once again, the two first Big 12 games, UCF and Oklahoma State, could really test your secondary. That would make it, that, that that's one big question, and it's early in the season, so you've got a young secondary getting challenged by UCF and Oklahoma State. Texas Tech, which is a dark horse to win the conference this year. Coming up next, TCU, a team I just don't know what to expect from TCU. I feel like last year was a very magical run. I feel like they're going to take a step back. Houston, not very good at Texas. Hard place to play. And they beat you last year. I don't know know if that really matters a lot. But at the same end, Texas, you know, it depends on where they're at in their season. That's the thing. You get to the last four or five games. You know, if, if if you have a really good team that's looked good on paper in the beginning of the year but has struggled to this point, that that game changes. Things change throughout the season. Injuries, wins and losses earlier in the year have mental impacts on the teams that you might play. But the schedule, you know, and then they've got Baylor, Kansas, and Iowa State, which Baylor could be on the upswing. Kansas, you know, they might be beaten down a little bit after a tough schedule. Iowa State, I don't I don't think there's going to be much out of Iowa State. They've lost their running back, their quarterback. They're losing players left and right because of gambling issues there in the state of Iowa. Big, big, big-time issues there. But, you know, I... They talk about the floor or the you know best case scenario eleven and two ESPN worst case scenario six and six. I would say, you know, I would lean more towards the best case scenario than the worst case scenario right now. I would, if I had to say, well, which side do you think would be more correct? I would lean more towards the best case. I don't know if it's eleven and two, but definitely a nine win type season. I could see that for Kansas State. I would lean more towards that. So I saw that article yesterday, and I thought, you know, okay, well, what about some of the other regional teams that we follow along with? So, you know, you look at Kansas, for example, the Jayhawks. uh, You know, what's the best-case scenario? Best-case scenario is 
the defensive the defense is much improved with some guys brought in another year of experience underneath coach Borland the defensive coordinator they just have they have a little bit more cohesive unit and they're able to stop the run they're able to force more turnovers and get the ball in the hands of Jalen Daniels and then on the on the best case scenario Jalen Daniels backs up last year with an even better year this year and stays healthy through the whole season that's another big thing and that offense continues to hum at a really high clip. So you have a an offense that continues to hum at a high clip with a quarterback that could be maybe getting Heisman talk again. And you throw in the fact your defense is improved, which it really can't be any worse. It was 129th in the country. If it jumps up to just 100 or 90th in the country, all of a sudden things look a, bit, a little bit different. Here's the problem, though. A very difficult schedule. Missouri State to kick it off. Illinois will not be easy. A physical Illinois team battering ram type of Illinois team that's going to run it at you all the time. You're going to test that defensive front in week two. At Nevada, BYU comes to town. Another physical type football game. At Texas, very talented team on the road. UCF, which that could be an extremely high scoring game, 50-60 points apiece. At Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Kansas State at Cincinnati. It's a much more difficult schedule as we sit here right now. Once again, things change. Things change. It all looks good right out of the gate, you know, when everybody's healthy, but you just don't know what injuries impact a team, what 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 close losses impact a team. All of a sudden, a good team that suffered a couple of close losses isn't as confident going into some of these games that they probably could have won when the season began. And now it looks like they could be losses, but... You know, if you look at Kansas, you know, probably best case scenario, they're probably able to pull out about eight, maybe nine wins, best case scenario. And worst case scenario, probably don't make a bowl. Just five wins. Uh you know, that that would probably I'd say five or six wins, probably the floor. And if I had to pick between those two. I would say it's probably hard to say. I just base it upon the schedule, I guess. I would say it would be a little bit closer. I'm almost right in the middle, but I'd say it's a little bit closer to the floor than it is the ceiling. Like, I think it's closer to a 6-7 win team than it is a 8-9 win team. That's just me. I think Illinois can be a loss. BYU could be a loss. Texas could be a loss. Oklahoma could be a loss. Texas Tech and Kansas State could be a loss. All of a sudden, there's a 6-6 six and six type season. You know, if you win one of those, there's a 7-5 there's a and five type season. So I, I'm, I'm kind of more towards the floor. If Kansas can go out there and can duplicate the record they had last year, that's a real, that to me, that's a, that's a step in the right direction. That's a better case scenario than most. If they can go and have the same record they had last year with a weaker schedule against a tougher schedule this year, that's a big-time win, in my opinion. But if I had to pick between kind of the ceiling and the floor and which one I think would be closer this year as it sits here right now on August 17th, I would say I would pick closer to the floor for Kansas because the schedule is more difficult. I think the schedule is more difficult this year. Four out of the first, or three out of, I beg your pardon, two out of the first four games, and if you want to go five, three out of the first five are going to be tough 
game, tough physical games, I would think. Especially two out of the first four. Illinois and BYU are going to be tough physical games on a Kansas team that's still trying to build depth, still trying to get tougher in the trenches. It's going to be tough against those type of teams, in my opinion. Illinois and BYU are going to hit you. And Texas is going to be uber talented. So I don't know if they're going to hit you as hard, but they're going to they're going to have more talent. So we'll see. But if I'd take, I'd say Kansas closer to the floor. Uh, let's move on to a couple other quick ones here. Nebraska and Colorado, since those teams are kind of in our our region. Uh, Nebraska, to me, when you look at the floor, it it all began, it all it all starts with the first few games. It really does. I think the floor for Nebraska is probably. I'm thinking probably three wins. Matt Rule has a tr- as a trend as a head coach to struggle in year one. He's changing culture. He's throwing young guys into the fire. Those guys need a year to understand it, and so they struggle that first year. I mean, there's been years he's had one win at Tr- Temple, two wins at Baylor. What will Nebraska be like in the first year? I don't. Know. I think he has more talent at Nebraska than he had in the previous two stops. But does that result in in a lot more wins? I don't know. I think if if Nebraska can can get off to a one and one or two and zero oh start out of their first two games against Power Five foes in Minnesota and Colorado, that might change it. That might change it up a little bit. You get to two and zero, oh, the the ceiling might be eight eight wins, eight and four, the absolute max ceiling. If they if they don't, if it's one and one or zero oh and two. You're you're dropping that down to six wins, maybe in the middle, six and six, and three wins for the floor. And I guess if I had to pick between the floor and the ceiling, I would say it'd be closer to the floor for for Nebraska this year. I would say if they could get to six and six, that'd be an amazing first year for Matt Rule, a really really good first year. But I think the so the ceiling, the absolute ceiling, is eight. The, the the floor is probably around three. And it really just comes down to the first two games. That's what it really matters. If they can go on the road and beat either Minnesota, Colorado, or in some miracle, they can beat both. That's going to change the whole outlook of the season. Because you're going to have a ton of confidence after those two games against Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech to get to 4-0. And a ton of confidence going into Michigan at home on September 30th. That's going to change. Then you've got that, but then you've got some real, real physical tough games coming up. Illinois coming up, but but you've, you, but at the same time, after you, kind of that, after Michigan, Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland, that 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 stretch right there is not unbelievably daunting. It's not easy, but it's not like Penn State, uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, whoever else you want to throw in there. So it really comes down to if Nebraska can one or even two of those first two games with Minnesota and Colorado, that sets the table for a much better year. If they drop them both, you're looking at a season probably closer to three or four wins. And I would say you're probably looking at somewhere around that five, that that anywhere from that, I would say I'd bet closer to the floor, probably closer to around a five to six win season. That's if they split. It all comes down to the first two games. And then the final... The final stop here on our, our first segment today, talking about floor and ceiling, best case, worst case scenario for our regional football teams at the collegiate Division One level. 
you know, looking at the regular, looking at Colorado, to me, it's almost the same thing for Colorado. If they can find a way to win one or somehow some way win both of their first games, TCU and Nebraska, I think they find a way to make bowl eligibility at like six or seven wins. I think that's the absolute ceiling in this first year. Six or seven wins in the very first se- in the very first season for Colorado. They have a top 10 strength of schedule this year. Look at this schedule. Number 17 TCU on the road. Nebraska uh, on September 9th, home versus Nebraska. Colorado State on the 16th. At Oregon, home versus USC. That's the month of September. TCU, Nebraska, Oregon, USC. Out of those five teams, three of them are ranked, and one of them is a rival game, which usually means it's going to be pretty close and competitive. Uh, sorry, beg your pardon, all of them are rival because Colorado State's a rival game. Duh. But I don't know if that's going to be that super competitive game. It might be. Then you've got a little break. Arizona State, Stanford, but then you've got UCLA, Oregon State in there. You've got Utah to finish out the regular season. Not easy. Not easy at all. So I think the the absolute max win total would be like six. Six wins in the regular season for Colorado. Six wins. The floor, honestly, I'm thinking it's probably one or two. Thinking it's one or two. That I think is probably the floor. And if I was a betting man, I'd say let's it's going to be closer to the floor. Going to be closer to the floor for in this first year underneath Dion. I, I, I once again, Dion may may have the 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 the, the best formula for for recreating and might have the future formula of recreating a a new team. You know, using the transfer portal and, and kicking the roster to the curb. That that might be the new wave of the future, and maybe it is. But boy, I just don't know. I I just think going from a small college to the Power Five in a year where this Power Five, the Pac-12, is really good, is gonna be hard. And the schedule doesn't do him any favors with Power Five opponents in the first two games. I just think the first couple of games are going to be difficult. And the things that he says about how wanting guys to get in fights and wanting to fight with each other so they drive that competitive energy and they don't want them to like each other. It just sounds like a recipe for disaster. But it could be a recipe for extreme success, too. Don't know. That's why it's either one or two things with Deion Sanders in his tenure at Colorado. It's either a massive success or it's an absolute turd. And I think the first year, if I was a Batman, I'd close. I'd say it's going to be closer to the turd than success. Schedule is very, very hard, especially early. Your kids are going to be down because they may only have one win, two wins after the first Five games of the season. That may, be, that may be a lack of, it may be hard to get that confidence back up to win some games down the stretch. So there you go. Floor ceiling, best case, worst case scenario for the four regional college football teams. All right, let's take a break. When we return, our good friend Jeff Hennick is going to join the show next. Talk a little Oakley Plainsman football as our area high school previews continue. This is The Blitz. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclip. 
Ibrand's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrand's and visit Ibrand's.com. Ibrand's may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrand's may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrand's, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. It's time for a check of the markets with the Anderson Trade Group on the Kansas Farm and Ranch Radio Network. Good morning. This is Paige Chapman at the Andersons with your morning grain report on Thursday, August 17th. In the overnight market, September corn is down three and a quarter at 466 and a quarter. December down two and three quarters at 478 and three quarters. And March down two and a half at 493. September soybeans are up five and three quarters at 1340 and a half. November up a quarter at 1324. January up one and a quarter at 1335. September Kansas City wheat is down three at 740. December down three and three quarters at 748 three quarters. March down four and a half at 752. Dow Jones is up 59 points at 34,880. S&P up 17 points at 4,437. NASDAQ up 71 at 15,013. Gold is up $1.10 at $1,929.40. Silver is up 31 cents at 22.84. And crude oil is up 77 cents at 80.15. If you have any risk management questions or grain you would like to market in the Colorado area, you can reach John Hankey or Joseph Koning at 970-744-4484. Or in the Overland Park office, you can reach myself, Paige Chapman, Tom Saluto, or Tyler Ghosh at 913-748-3000. The Anderson Trade Group, proud market partners with Kansas Farm and Ranch Radio. Find out more at andersongrain.com. The risk of loss through trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance, whether actual or indicated, is not indicative of future results. The Anderson Trade Group has no guarantee that the advice given will result in profitable trades. It's time to break out with Marisem's new Biology's Fertility System. Consider taking $30 from your traditional fertilizer spend. One, follow Harvest with Excavator, powered by Microbolize, to break down residue and unlock nutrients. Two, manage nitrogen with BioFriendly Maintain or InGear Dual Action. Three, plant with Revline Hopper Throttle, powered by BioCapsule Technology, to finally deliver live microbes to build massive roots and make nutrients more available. Fight back and learn more at MaristemAg.com. Kansas Corn reminds you that E15 fuel is the right choice for every kind of driver. For the car enthusiast, E15 has higher octane. For the thrifty driver, E15 is priced lower than regular unleaded. For the nature lover, E15 provides cleaner air. For the shopper who buys local, E15 has more ethanol from our Kansas corn farms. Choose E15 for a higher octane, lower price, and cleaner American fuel. This message from the Kansas Corn Commission. Learn more at kscorn.com. This is Jared Stanford, head men's basketball coach at Colby Community College. I'd like to invite you out to the Trojans Men's Golf Tournament on August 18th. It'll be at Meadow Lake Golf Course. 
The four-man scramble will be $300 per team. It is the 25th annual golf tournament, so please come out and meet the new guys after the round. We'll have the team out for a meet and greet, and please come out to Meadow Lake Golf Course and support the Trojans. You can register online through our Facebook account, and you can also find us on our website. Midwest Energy begins charging demand rates for residential customers on January 1st, 2024. In August, Midwest is sending all residential customers a mailer explaining demand rates. Participate in the Summer Demand Challenge and you'll learn how appliance use impacts demand and be entered to win one of 50 $50 Visa gift cards. Learn more about demand rates at MWEnergy.com under the Residential tab. Midwest Energy, a customer-owned cooperative, making energy work for you. Hey, it's Brian Haney, the voice of the J. Hawks, and you're listening to my main man, Ross Volkmer. He may be a Husker, but he also knows how to rock chalk. And you're listening to the Morning Blitz right here on 1025 You Rock. I'm a man on a mission. Central Time, 7.37 Mountain Time. Chance to win from the Kansas Lottery right now if you want to be a winner. Day of the Dead tickets, still a couple of those left. Text the word DEAD to 785-899-2222. Also an update from uh, Kansas State Men's Basketball Tour over in Abu Dhabi and Israel. They are taking on Mexico right now, 31-30. Case lead up by one. Just a quick little update there was... Checking out that score while it was uh, during the break. Uh, let's continue our area high school football previews. We welcome in our good friend of the program, uh, Jeff Fennick at Oakley High School now. He joins us on the phone. Uh, good morning, Jeff. How are things going today? Hey, good morning. You know, it's a, it's a pretty good morning today. I got to school thinking I had in-service, and it's actually a work day. So my day was made. <laughs> you didn't check the calendar too close, did you? But it actually I... ended up working out well. That's that's exactly right. Uh, yesterday was a was a long day sitting in service. Most uh, PE and strength coaches know how that goes. Yeah, I mean, when does school start? Is it tomorrow for you, or do you guys wait till Monday? Uh, actually, we don't start until next Wednesday, so we're a little bit later than everybody else. But uh, um, you know, uh, I guess nice nice in a sort of way, and um, kind of bad in a sort of way as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the bad. It's probably hard to, to kind of, and maybe it's not, maybe it's a good thing, but, uh, you know, you're starting to get practice, you're getting practice going, you know, this week, and, you know, the kids are not in their typical routines that they either had been in previous years or, you know, will be when the year progresses. So it's kind of a little bit of an interesting time that way, I'm sure. It is, it is. You know, uh, it, it's kind of good in a sense. Uh, you know, I've got a, uh, some Rule 10 coaches that help me, so we, we go at 6 in the evening to kind of try to help them you know, stay at their job uh, all day. and You know, it works out in the best for us in that sense. But uh, starting next week, we are going to have to get back into the uh, the routine of, of, you know, going at 3.30 and 4 o'clock and right in the heat of the day. Jeff Hennick, our guest here on the Morning Blitz. Jeff, I want to start by just reflecting a little bit on last year. You finished the year 6-4. and four. It was it was somewhat of a rebuilding year. You'd lost a lot of great seniors that led you all the way to Hayes and uh, for a state title game appearance. So you were kind of rebuilding a little bit. Overall, what were your thoughts when you look back at last season? You know, uh, overall, we as a staff thought that we uh, did some really good things. You know, to end up six and four, and you know, we we lost to to eventual um, state runner up in, in Inman. We thought we had a heck of a year. You know, uh, you drop a few games, you got a lot of kids that are that are playing that haven't played in positions. Um, we even played two freshmen and, and like four sophomores, I think. So. 
Um, it, it was good in that sense that our uh, older guys who were in key positions could rally around those guys. And, you know, I thought Coach Ruta did a heck of a job with our offense coming back so that we could get guys in position to do things. And, you know, not only that, but I was so pleased with our kids. We only turned the ball over five times all year last year, and that was a, that was a huge staple for us to be able to do the things that we did. I think the other big thing that was impressive to me is that you guys started the year off two and three and then rattled off four straight wins uh, to, to, to really cement yourself in the postseason. And so the schedule was hard and you had some struggles, but you found success late and that showed great resiliency. <clears throat> yeah, it did. You know, um, it's always a, always a tough um, start to the season, uh, you know, when you're in the MCL and especially when you're young in the MCL. But uh, very proud of the way that our kids kept battling. And, you know, they uh, they come back and they win a district title and get themselves into the playoffs and, you know, win a first-round playoff game and then, you know, eventually fall to Inman, who was a super talented team. But uh, I was very, very pleased with the kids, you know, and some say maybe in, in the sense that we overachieved. Um, you know, I it, the expectations are always there, but, uh, you know, I was very proud of our kids and, and how they did in their season. You lost some really big seniors. You had Will Schmidt, quarterback. Uh, Landon Plummer was a guy uh, there in the backfield that did some catching. You lost some pretty good seniors, but uh, you do return, you know, a good core of, of under guys that were, you know, juniors or under that uh, to build upon this year, it seems. Yeah, we do. We return a lot of guys that, that may not have played every single down, but with a lot of those freshman guys and sophomore guys, uh, they played a lot of special teams, so they got on the field. And, uh, you know, we got some uh, kids that are still maturing, still growing. Just that year of growth from a freshman to a sophomore, we've already seen some really good things there. So we're um, expectations are high, and, and, you know, we're still trying to figure out some kids in certain positions. And, you know, like uh, like I told the kids the other day, I said, you know, we got to kind of – we have to kind of create a depth chart so we have some organization. But I said – I'll tell you this, in my 11 years of coaching, never once have I ever got it right to where this kid is going to play here all year. So I said, keep working, you know, and you may find yourself in that position, and, um, you know, we'll get there and we'll run with it. You've always been huge on the summer weight program, running that weight room there in Oakley, and it's been highly effective for you. How good was this past summer, attendance and, and grains and growth? <clears throat> you know, it was it was really good. Uh, we've got 36 kids out this year, and we were about 87% weight room attendance. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes you run into certain situations with kids where they're so busy in the summer that, you know, they touch base with you, but they, they may not be able to make it. But overall, you know, I thought our, our kids did a very good job of getting here. You know, we had uh, one kid who's going to play a lot for us this year. His weight room attendance hasn't been good in the past years, but he uh, he only missed one day this year, and that was because he was sick. And, you know, I think that was tremendous growth for him. And, and he sees the writing on the wall that, hey, this is a big year for me. I could uh, I could be a staple to this offensive line. And um, just, just really kid, proud of uh, the kids and where they're at. And, you know, our freshmen, when they come in, you know, they see our other guys pushing big weight. And I'm like, hey, you'll get there. Don't worry. You know, uh, gosh. We graduated Craig Kuhlman last year, who was a 535-pound squatter, and I remember when he came in as a freshman, my goodness, we could barely squat 95 pounds. Um, so, you know, that growth and that maturity, it, it happens big, and you just got to, once you buy in, you got to stay with it. You got to invest that time. 
the one thing I love visiting with you about, Coach, is, you know, previous years we've talked about, well, you know, I did this system for, for many years, and it's worked, but it may not work this year, so I need to make adjustments. And I'm curious, you did that last year to an extent. Will you be doing that again this year, making some adjustments we, to the scheme defensively, offensively, to try and put yourself in a spot to be more successful? Yes, we will. Uh, defensively, you know, we're, we still kind of stay in our same base. Um, we, we do roll some guys with different coverages and stuff, but for the most part, we are, we are still the same defense. Offensively, this will be year two in our new system, and we will be able to add to that even more. You know, we didn't want to get too complex last year. Um, just for for certain reasons of hey you know we don't want to be putting in too much for these kids let's let's get good at what we're doing but this year you know I feel like we have taken that next step and we can we can do some more implementing to it I mean we've already done some more implementing to it and I feel very good about where we're at and you know it's only been uh, you know a couple days into practice and and I think our our offensive coordinator uh, you know coach Drew Sarud I think he does an amazing job with with our kids in positions where we can make plays um you know so hats off to him and you know and coach Dennis and coach Reigns you know we all all do a good good job of trying to get on the same page and trying to accomplish the same thing and you know I, I feel very good about our our middle school coaches and, and what they're doing you know when these freshmen came in they're not so far behind I think uh you know coach Burst has done a heck of a job making sure that these kids understand this is our base stuff and, you know, they can hit the ground running once they get here, and then we can just build upon all of that. Jeff Hannock, our guest here, Oklahoma High School head football coach, joining us now. Overall, when you look at the scheme and, and reflecting on it, I mean, well, I'm taking it, it was a really big success, and that was the correct step to take at that point in time. It was. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys get into saying, you know, this is what we're going to run. This is, this is it. We're not changing anything. But you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta be humble a little bit and say this is not what's best for these kids. If we want these kids to be successful, we've got to make some changes and we've got to relearn it too. And uh, you know, I I'm just glad that you know when Coach Ruda sat down and he said, okay, here's what we got to look at. Here's our kids coming. We're not as big as we used to be. You know, we can't just pound the rock at you the whole time. And uh, you know, I thought. Once we all bought into that, I think it was very, very good for us. On the offensive side, where's the strength this year? Is it up front? Is it on the edge? Is it in the backfield? Where's the strength this year, you think? Well, that's to be determined. (laughs) Um, You know, I think there's lots of potential in in a lot of different areas. But until we actually get rolling, um, you know, we're not real sure where it is yet. We think we have a pretty good offensive line. We've moved, um, you know, one of our tackles to a tight end. He uh, it was like, you know, just over summer, he went from boy to man. And he is, you know, a super athletic kid and can catch the ball. And we've had some young kids jump in and, uh, you know, that will help there on our offensive line. I want to say, you know, I hope being able to run the ball. But, you know, in today's offenses, a lot of guys throw the ball first to open up their run. So I, I hope we can kind of be balanced in that sense. And, you know, just uh, it kind of depends, you know, week to week, we're going to get something different. So we may be a pass first this week and maybe a run first next week. So like I said, you know, it's still to be determined what, what our strengths are going to be. I'm sure I'll get the same answer, but I got to ask, what about the defensive side of the ball strengths or weaknesses there? Defensive side of the ball. I think our defensive line, you know, we're, we're kind of green. We're kind of young up front. 
but um, those guys are very good at what they're doing. Um, our linebacking core with Ivan Yurok and Mason Sheets and, and you know, Sheldon Tamat and Connor Stevenson, I think they're pretty good um, as linebackers for us, you know, from inside to outside backers. Um, we're a little young right now in uh, our uh, defensive backfield, but we've seen a lot of growth there. You know, we went to, to Concordia to a seven-on-seven, and, you know, when uh, uh, when we have, gosh, you know, two sophomores and two freshmen out there, I was very pleased with with what we did up there. Um, Ace Plummer was hurt at the time, so he wasn't able to be in the defensive backfield with us. But uh, having Ace back there uh, is a big, you know, a big, big part of what we want to do. And Ace can kind of get guys lined up and coverage-wise and talk to guys. But we're going to have a lot of sophomores back there, too, and I think they're going to do some really good things for us. Talking once again with uh, Jeff Hennick here, head coach of the Oakland Plainsman. A couple more for you, Coach. You've mentioned it a couple times about your staff. How and I'm, it, I'm guessing from the way it sounds, you've kept pretty much all your staff in check. I mean, how big is it to have that staff continuity? There's a lot of schools out there, you know, that are starting over with brand new staffs. You know, teachers move on or or whatever it may be, and it's hard to find that staff continuity. And they're changing staffs every year. How big is it to keep kind of the same names, the same guys, helping you coach the program through the past few years? Oh, man, it's huge. You know, this is, I think this is year seven or eight here at Oakley. I, I, I'd have to check. But we have had the same staff year in and year out since I've been here. And, and I tell those, you know, our guys, you know, Coach Dennis, Coach Ruda, Coach Reigns, how huge that is for me. You know, we're not reteaching a new staff. You know, even Coach Burst in middle school, you know, we're, we're not having to reteach guys, you know, everything we know. We, we set the schedule. You know, we put stuff on that schedule, but, you know, like I always tell them, you know what they need in your individual group. I, I don't. I'm not with that group. So if you see something else we need to hit, hit that, you know, and let's get good at it. And, uh, you know, I think uh, just our relationship, you know, we have a lot of fun as, as a staff. We, we do a lot of joking around with the kids. We try to make it fun at practice for them, you know, whether it's, you know, we're giving them a hard time about, you know, who they're. Uh, homecoming date is going to be, you know, we say, you got to, you know, you better get after this or, uh, you know, you better get after in class or, you know, we're, we're giving them a hard time about, you know, some, some old pickup they're working on or something. You know, we like to have a lot of fun with them. And I think we gel really well as a staff. And it's crazy that you talk about staffs because seven of the eight teams that we played this year have new head coaches. That's hilarious that you'd mentioned, uh, you know, coaches talk about homecoming dates because I can't imagine any coach talking about homecoming period. So that's good that you guys are, are man <laughs> enough to talk about that stuff there, coach. That's pretty funny on my end. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because we, we can talk about it until that week. That's I, right. I that week, but we can talk about it up to up until then for sure. No, absolutely. Jeff Fennick. All right, one more. I'll get you out of here on this. You look at the you mentioned the coaches. You got seven new coaches on your schedule this year. When you look at the schedule with other teams, you know, a lot of these teams you played last year, what's your thoughts on the schedule here that you'll face here in twenty three? It's uh it's it's going to be different. You know, I think we're gonna see a lot of different offenses. You know, just reading the Kansas pregame magazine that came out and seeing what some coaches are gonna run. You know, uh Smith Center, the uh, coach Sass stepped down, but Coach Rogers took over. He's been in that program forever, so I think we're still going to get the same thing there. Um, you know, when you look at uh, TMP, Coach Stevenson, who was at Plainville, went to TMP. So we, we think we know what we're going to get. We're not real sure. But every other coach, you know, they're they're doing a lot of different stuff from what they had in, in the past as far as an offensive scheme. So it'll be interesting to see what all we get. 
Head head coach of the uh, head coach of the Oakley Plainsman uh, Jeff Fennick there, coach. As always, we really do appreciate you taking some time away from your schedule, and uh, thanks again for squeezing us in. We hope hope to catch up with you sometime in the regular season. All right. That sounds great, Ross. I appreciate you having me, and, and thanks for what you do for covering our you know our area coaches and, and athletes and and all that good stuff. So we really appreciate what you do, man. Absolutely, thank you, coach. Appreciate the time. Have a good one. All right, take care. Once again, great stuff there from Jeff Fennick. Always love having him on. A great football mind, especially at the high school level. And uh, he's always got a great team. Whenever he's been at Wallace County or Oakley, he's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job. All right, let's uh, get to our break. When we come back, we'll dive into the Rockies and the Royals. Both handed losses last night and get to the walk-off as well. You're listening to the Morning Blitz. School time has returned, and that means plenty of activities and road time. Tackle this new school year with a new vehicle from Hurl Chevrolet GMC in Goodland, Kansas. Right now, get a 2023 Chevy Silverado TurboMax with 1.9% APR or $7,500 total value when you trade in an eligible vehicle. Or get a 2023 GMC Sierra 1500 with a 5.3 liter engine at 0.9% plus an additional $3,250 purchase allowance when you trade in an eligible vehicle. You can see the complete new and used inventory online anytime at hurlchev.com. At Next Tech Wireless, it's wireless on your terms. You pick a 36, 24, or 18-month agreement and get a device on us like the iPhone 14 or the new Google Pixel 7. Stuck in a contract with your current provider? Switch now and get up to $1,000 per line. For more details, stop by your nearest Next Tech Wireless location today or call or text our customer care team at 877-621-2600. Next Tech Wireless, home on the range. Are you getting all the discounts you're entitled to on your home and auto insurance? Multi-car, multi-policy, common loss deductible, remodel credits are just a few options available. Do you have a special circumstance requiring insurance coverage? We might be able to help with that also. Check with the girls at the insurance agency at 1020 Main Street in Goodland or call 785-899-5011. We offer coverage from several companies to best suit your insurance needs. Call or stop by and talk to Roxanne, Susan, or Judy for all your insurance needs. If you're shopping for a banking institution, visit with Equity Bank of Hoxie, Grinnell, and Quinter, Kansas. The Equity Bank is heavily invested in local business and activities contributing in many ways back to their community. Their employees are involved with many organizations and area events. Plus, a lot of experience comes with that staff. You'll find valuable local assistance when you bank at the Equity Bank of Hoxie, Grinnell, Quinter, and other locations in western Kansas. The Equity Bank, member FDIC. I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, what do you call that amazing smell? Um, it's Gain Flings. Gain Flings. My love had a name, but more importantly, it had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Gain Flings with 50% more freshness ingredients versus leading bargain detergent. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. That's ZipRecruiter.com free. Goodbye summer, hello back to school. Get back to class in style with a free Samsung smartphone. 
paired with truly unlimited data for students. For peace of mind, you'll get Bark Junior, a top-rated parental control app included with the Student Unlimited plan, all for only $21.50 per month. And parents, treat yourselves to a Google Pixel 7a on us. Summer may be over, but the best back-to-school deals continue at your local Viero. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Make This a Summer event is going on now at Colby Dodge. Take advantage of 2.9% financing up to 72 months with approved credit on a new 2023 Ram 1500. You can also save up to $6,000 off MSRP on our remaining 2022 Ram HDs with the Cummins motor. If you have a trade-in, we want it. Visit us in person at exit 53, I-70, Colby, Kansas, or browse online 24-7 at colbydodge.com or give us a call at 460-G. Hey, it's Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks. A two-hand follow jam is true for Josh Jackson. You're listening to The Morning Blitz with my main man, Ross Volkmer, right here on 1025 You Rock. One-two pitch, swing and a miss, and that's the game. For the 31st time, the Arizona Diamondbacks rally, and they beat the Rockies 9-7. Two things about that call from Jack Corgan on the Rockies radio network that stand out to me. Number one, it's just, you know, that first part of like, and that's the ball game. <laughs> just so depressed after the year that's happened for Colorado. And then the stat there, 31 comeback for the Arizona Diamondbacks against the Colorado Rockies. It's the, the Diamondbacks have got the Rockies number when it comes, especially it feels like when playing at Coors Field. It really does. The, the Diamondbacks just find a home there at Coors Field where they might be down, but they just feel like, well, let's just swing. That was the thing about just kind of watching that game a little bit yesterday. I saw bits and pieces. Diamondbacks go up there with an 0-0 count and just swing at the first pitch. Get it up in the air, let, the thin, let, that, let, it, let it just carry out in that thin air. Christian Walker had two home runs, one in the eighth inning, a two-run bomb in the eighth, and uh, that gave them the lead, and the Diamondbacks held on to win their second consecutive series while the Rockies lose again to Arizona. But uh, it, it's just amazing to me how the – it was more of a Coors Field special. Four lead changes in that game, back and forth. Teams, you know, getting a nice lead, losing it. The other team taking advantage and now in front. It was an interesting game to look, to, to watch, but the Rockies end up on the wrong side of that. They dropped two out of three to the Diamondbacks. After a loss yesterday uh, there to Arizona, final score was 9-7. to seven. Colorado, in case you're curious, now sitting at a record of 46-75. and 75. And they are 28 games back in the National League West. I mean, the season is pretty much done. Colorado has the day off today. They'll play the White Sox starting on Friday. As for the Royals, another close game with the Mariners. You look at this series with Seattle... Three of the first four games of this series have been side, have been decided by one run or less. Royals winning 7-6 two nights ago, had the lead but lost it in extras 10-8 on last night or two nights ago and then last night they lose 6-5. You know, Kansas City dug themselves an early hole. James MacArthur gave up three runs in the top of the first inning to the Mariners. The Royals got one run back in the bottom of the first, then they'd make another three-run game in the top of the second. Royals would actually tie it in the 6th. Nelson Velazquez grounded a double play but scored the game-tying run, making it 4-4. But then in the 8th and ninth, Mariners get a couple of runs back. And they needed that insurance run in the ninth because Velasquez, Nelson Velazquez hit a homer, uh, making it 6-5, the final score. But uh, you can't. it's hard to win when you do not uh, put yourself in a spot to have success. Um, 
when you put when you put yourself in a spot to have success uh, early in the games. A three-run walk-off home run, a game-winning walk-off with a walk-off, his second walk-off hit of the season in walk-off fashion. That baby's gone. Halftime of the Kansas State exhibition game over in Abu Dhabi against Mexico. They currently are sitting up by three, 42-37. We're up against the clock. we got to get out of here. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow on a Friday to wrap up the week. Hope to see you then in 23 hours. It's been the Blitz.